You're listening to the Superpower Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everybody. This is Tonya Don Rekla, and I am super excited to have with you. Oh, I didn't say my... I'm so flustered because I'm excited about our guest, and I didn't say my whole intro, so I'm going to do it again. Hello, everybody. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I really am flustered and delighted to have with us today Michael Danziger. So I want to brag about him for a minute because um, Michael isn't somebody that we would typically talk about in terms of you know, having like, um, let's say more of our woo woo guests, like the energy work and the healers and the this and that. And, but we do have on the show, amazing people in business, but here's a gentleman who, in my opinion, and, and, and it's, it's not extremely well-founded in history, but certainly in energy, he, he encompasses and embodies this amazing aspect of powerful vulnerability. And so I'm really excited to, to share him with you all today. We're going to talk about personal achievements and persistence. Um, and he's got quite an interesting take on that conversation. So without further ado, join me in welcoming Michael to the show. Welcome, Michael. It's so great to be here, Tonya. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So before we get into your amazing book, let's go ahead and just ask you, you know, what are your superpowers? I think my superpowers are vulnerability and honesty um, and a fabulous sense of humor. But I would think that, that being able to be vulnerable has allowed, is an incredibly disarming quality because everybody else in the room sort of takes a deep breath and says, oh, I don't have to be perfect either. Um, and believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm as flawed as can be. So I think embracing your flaws, making your mess, your message, um, and being honest are you know, are, are, are the keys to, you know, to, to what has made me successful if I have been. And whenever I'm not vulnerable and whenever I am dishonest and I've been dishonest, I find that the, you know, the exact opposite is true. I really appreciate everything that you're saying. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the fact that we've built a couple business based, based on transparency. We operate that way, you know, and, and it, it's quite counterintuitive, you know, for folks who don't practice that sort of openness and, and um, you know, in the superpower arena, I talk a lot about expansion, being energetically expanded in terms of how we connect with people, because ultimately that's what honesty and vulnerability lead us into is connection. Um, it kind of, you know, we have a saying over in the corporate counter intel side of the house that, you know, transparency expedites trust. And it's, it's that vulnerability piece and willingness to be kind of yourself. A lot of people equate that with weakness. You know, how do, how do you kind of reconcile that? Wow. That's a, that's a great question because I think a lot of people do equate, you know, admitting that you are scared to go out on a first date or admitting that when you're really tired in the middle of a rowing race, you feel afraid of that next stroke, but so many more people can relate to, you know, your honesty and your vulnerability and your revelations that I think the, the, the rewards, if there are any, far outweigh the risks of turning people off to the fact that you may not be perfect. So I, you know, I've just found that sort of laying it out there is, um, is easier um, than putting up a facade even if the facade is, you know, this great Potemkin village that everybody thinks is way more amazing than, you know, than what's really there. I think that 
honesty in the end, as somebody once said, is probably the best policy. Mm, I agree. And I'm seeing a trend in the kind of public speaking, motivational speaking, kind of raw, raw conference, business workshop kind of arena. That, that was really cumbersome way to describe it. But um, even in social media and stuff where this whole like, tell your story, tell your story, tell your story. And, it, and it's interesting because I do see the, the pendulum kind of swinging and, and we're creating this other side of vulnerability, which is really kind of swimming in the um, victimization, swimming in the woe is me, swimming in the like one-upping each other and like who was the worst at something. And, and I really um, sat with that here recently because I went to a conference and I you know, was listening to all the stories and I'm like, oh my gosh, why? does this really just rub me the wrong way? And it dawned on me that it's a fine line um, between being vulnerable, being transparent and kind of woe is me and wallowing in it. What I really find refreshing about you and the conversations that we've had, your book and everything else is it's like, it's there. The vulnerability is there. The screw ups are there. The, the transparency is there. And that's not all. So I think that tying it together and going and this is what I did with this. Like, and this is where I'm going with it. And, and, and I get that I'm not perfect, but gosh, I'm still trying, you know, and that's, that's why I really like the, the, the dialogue around personal achievements and persistence. Um, but I, I mean, do you, do you get a sense of that also that there's kind of a too much sharing is too much or is it just the, the, how we choose to tie it together? That that's the impact. I, I never saw it. You just sort of, pointed out something that I never would have considered, but I think you're absolutely right, which is people do take sort of honesty and sort of self-revelation to a point where it can be, woe is me, and I want everybody to throw a pity party for me, or this explains all the reasons that I haven't been a good friend or whatever, whatever it may be. So I do agree that being honest doesn't mean being a victim at all. In fact, I think being honest is incredibly empowering. Um, and I, I'm not exactly sure where that fine line is, and I'm positive that I cross it from time to time. <laughs> and, and, and I just don't get the same feedback. I mean, even if it's on a Facebook post, if it's sort of some whiny post about how your kids didn't call you on your birthday or something, not a lot of people are going to really respond to that. <laughs> but if it's another one about how, geez, I missed this opportunity to be a good friend, and I learned a lot from it. Boom, 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 boom. You know, people be like, me too, me too, me too. So, you know, it's, it, there's a nuance there and you picked right up on it. I completely whiffed, didn't see it at all. But I think that that's, I think that that's probably right. That there's, you know, honesty is great. And but vic, but being a victim and having people wanting to pity you, that's not, it's a lot, it's not a lot of fun at all. Um, and people don't yeah. respond well, or they do respond, just not in a positive way. Well, and I think intrinsically you got that it, it, because, because what you said at the very beginning of that response was this concept of empowerment. Like it really is a powerful place to be when you're able to go, oh, I guess I kind of screwed up there. Okay, cool. And, and moving through it versus the, you know, well, let me share my story with you. Well, we all have stories, right? right. It's like, great, got it. We all have stories. And it's it, the mess, you know, the whole conversation around the mess being your message is really tied into, well, that's awesome. But what are you going to do with it? Like, I want to know what you're doing with it. I want to know, are you kind of taking up space and air or are you really bringing something of value into the world um, and contributing in some capacity because you persevered through that? That's, um, a good, 
that's a great example. And for instance, I was 25 years ago, I was a school teacher, which was my dream in life. And I loved being a school teacher. And I taught it at, uh, you know, at, at, at private schools in Massachusetts and, and in Los Angeles. And I noticed that most of the kids there were rich white kids and they were doing fine and they had their own problems, which is fine. But a bunch of the kids who were from quote unquote, non-traditional backgrounds, kids of color, poor white kids were really struggling and they weren't struggling because they were dumber or because their parents didn't like them or because they didn't want to do really well. They were struggling because they had to get up at five in the morning and they didn't have a computer at home and they didn't have a bunch of the supports and they felt alone in the group. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I was moaning about it, about how this is a bummer for me and you know I didn't deserve all the good things I had. And he finally said, and this is to your point, he said, you can either complain about it and sound like a victim or why don't you start a program and solve the problem, which I did, you know? <laughs> Um, and so 27 years ago, I started an organization called the Stepping Stone Foundation. And with lots of help from lots of other people, we've sent thousands of kids who would never have had the chance otherwise to go to college, to college and through college with an 80% graduation rate from four-year colleges, which is astounding. Um, All because a friend of yours had the cojones to say, hey, put up, you know, put up or shut up. You know, it's like that, that's really where that comes from, right? It, Totally came from. I was, you know, sort of no, sort of noticing this thing that was that was upsetting. Exactly, he had the K Jones, or however you pronounce it, probably more rightly K Jones. Look, it's fun to you know complain, but that you know who was it? I'm never going to stop the rain by complaining. Andy Williams, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's just do something. Either do something about it or shut up. And I just and we were at a pizzeria Uno's right next to Fenway Park, and I said, I want to do something. Would you help me? And he said, absolutely, I'll help you. Mm. Um, and for, it's now been 27 years and it's been the, you know, it's, it's, it's probably my legacy. Um, oh, I love it. Really, really proud of it. But it, but it got, got down to your point of whining or, you know, making, making something happen. Yeah. And, and I think to me, it's like the, the further I go along this journey and the, the more time I spend on my own self-actualization and, and, and dare say, you know, honing my superpowers, it's like, those are the people that I want to play with. I want to play with the ones that are going to go, I don't know if we can do this, but we're going to give it a good old college try. You know, and speaking of colleges, I really do want to talk about your book, but we're going to take a quick break. Um, you know, you've, you've had the, the great pleasure, all of you of sitting here and listening to Michael Danziger and, and we're going to talk about his book, small puddles when we come back. Um, but we've been talking about personal achievements and persistence. So stay right with us and we will be right back after this moment. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Awesome. We're back. Thank you all for joining us. We are talking with Michael Danziger about personal achievements and persistence. This is the Superpower Up podcast. And as promised, I really am excited to have him share with you his book, Small Puddles, The Triumphant Story, and get this, folks, of Yale's worst oarsman 
ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever in the history of the world. I love it. So, so you can, you've already felt Michael and, and obviously he's this amazing man with this phenomenal energy and, and his book reads the same way. And so it's a delightful journey um, into a really kind of transparent and vulnerable space. It, you know, talk to us, Michael, like why, why the book? How did this come about? Like what in the world compelled you to call yourself out like that? Well, so, so um, I, when I went to Yale um, back in the early and mid eighties, there were a few rowing books that were out and they were all sort of this, you know, there was one by David Halberstam called the amateurs, another one called shell game by Stephen Kiesling and, and a few others. And they all had the basic, same premise, which is fill in the blank guy shows up on fill in the blank Ivy League campus freshman year, gets discovered by a coach, is told that he's the perfect size and weight for crew, which means he's tall and skinny, and for, and works hard for four years. And then, you know, when he graduates from college, he rose in the Olympics. And I thought, awesome. That's what I want to do. And so that happened to me. I got discovered at Yale on old campus, which is the freshman quad by Dave Vogel, the coach. And um, and I rode hard for four years. I did the absolute best that I could. But instead of ending up in the Olympics, I ended up every single year in the lowest boat that Yale had. And, um, and my coach at the end of my career told me that in his estimation, I was by orders of magnitude, the worst he had ever seen. Um, and for somebody who spent four years working really hard at something, that was sort of demoralizing. And when I got up to leave, he said, no, sit down because there's something more important I want to tell you. And I said, what's that? And he said, you're better than every son of a bitch who ever quit. And that's almost all of them. Um, and, he <laughs> said, and he said, I'm proud of you. Um, and that made it all, that, that made it all worthwhile. But I, I knew it was worthwhile in the beginning because I was you know, making a genuine effort and I was doing something that was really hard with people who I really liked, who were all a lot better than I was. Um, and uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, I couldn't have done any more. And that was fine with me. And when I got that sort of final validation from my coach, uh, I, can't, I can tell you, I left his office and just burst into tears. I was so happy. Um, and he That's was gruff, so beautiful. Yeah, he was a gruff kid. He was a gruff guy. And he had said a lot of really mean things about me and told me I sucked and I was worthless. But when I would say, I'm not going to quit, he'd say, suit yourself. You're a loser. You know, it's so this same guy who, and he was a fabulous coach. I mean, even though I was the worst, our boats were national champions every year I was there. Um, I just wasn't in any of the, any of the good boats, but I, um, turns out that some of the guys who were, um, you know, in those top boats and went on to row for our country in either the Olympics or the world championships, um, you know, had become my best friends. And one of them was one of my son's godfathers. And my son is, one of my sons was the captain of the rowing team at Georgetown. Um, so they're, you know, I guess I passed something along to, uh, to my kids, but a lot of it was about the idea, um, you used this word first, of persistence. Uh, even if it seemed hapless for a long time, it, the fact of the matter is just when you think it's not really worth it anymore, just push a little harder, you know, and you'll find out. And maybe it isn't, but maybe it is. I, so much about that resonates with me. I remember at basic training, you know, Joel Sargent saying, using kind of some of that same uh, verbiage and sense of like, yeah, it's hard. And, and some people couldn't make, it, you know, some people just couldn't pass basic training. But it was, but the concept was, you know, but you signed up, you know, you volunteered where, you know, 90 some percent of the population doesn't. 
you signed up, you know, and, it, and I just kept, I kept that with me, um, you know, as I progressed through my life after that. And, and, it, and it really was inspiring to hear that because I think a lot of times when you're in the midst of something, that's the norm, you know? And so, so when you're there with these amazing rowers and you're the, the worst of the worst of the worst, you know, it's like, it's, yeah, it's easy to think that's who you are. And then you remember like, wait, but there's so many other people who aren't even doing this. Um, but it's hard. You lose track of that, you know, coming from the counterintelligence arena, you know, the running joke was like, people only know what you do if you really screw up, you know, because it's national security and it's top secret. Mm -hmm. Like you just can't, your wins can't be shared other than with other people who have equal wins. And so it's like, Oh yeah, great. Yeah. Good job. You know, like there's no out of girls, out of boys, accolades and that kind of stuff, because it's like, again, the highlights are only when, when you screw up. And so when you're in those environments, it's easy to forget that you're doing something pretty magical or special or, or maybe even just above and beyond. Um, and I think what you highlight so beautifully is, you, you know, one, you tried and you can honestly say at the end of the day, like you tried your hardest, like that, it wasn't like, you're like, oh, I'm the worst and I'm just gonna kind of slack it. Like you kept trying. And so, so that's really a powerful statement. And then the second piece of, you knew you weren't that great. Like, like there was no hiding it. As you said, your coach wasn't kind of blowing sunshine up your ass. Like you knew and you, you did it anyway and you stuck it out. And, and I think that the power in that and then to see what's transpired since that, um, those intrinsic life lessons that you gain from those experiences um, are, have untold value and worth in your existence. Well, we've been talking with Michael Danziger. Unfortunately, the audio cut out, and so we'll have to uh, reconnect with him later. Um, but you can find a link to the book and to his information um, in the notes. And Michael, as you're listening to this later, we absolutely thank you for coming on the show, and we were so delighted to connect with you. And we look forward to uh, really supporting your work and your efforts in the world as you move forward and have an impact. And to those of all of you out there, we've been talking about personal achievements and persistence. And if you've learned nothing from Michael's story, it's that that persistence is key and keep going no matter what. All right. Well, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.